Hi, and welcome to Zurich's Perspectives, Zurich Canada's podcast where we deliver market insights and thought leadership. Today is our third podcast, and we're very fortunate to have Eugene Rowe, Western Region Casualty Manager at Zurich. Eugene joined Zurich 10 years ago in Vancouver office, where he's held various underwriting positions from mid-market to construction and to casualty. Liability is certainly one of the lines of business most impacted by the ongoing hardening market conditions. However, and depending on the customer's profile, risk quality and exposures, there can be notable variations in an underwriter's risk assessment and how he or she prices an account. I'll be asking Eugene his views of the Canadian liability market, where he sees continuing challenges, but also opportunities for brokers and insureds who are seeking differentiation. Our conversation with Eugene on current Canadian liability market conditions coming up. Hi, Eugene. How are you? I'm well, Alban. How are you? Good to have you on the podcast. Um, so, Eugene, for this liability conversation, we're going to start with some definitions. I want your audience to be prepared. So we're going to limit our comments today to GL umbrella and excess liability placements. So, again, for the purpose of this conversation, we'll just leave auto and environmental um, out of the discussion, but we'll probably come back with a different podcast because these are important subjects. So it feels, as always, that the liability market conditions are sort of split. Customers which have U.S. exposures and those who don't. How do underwriters react to these profiles? And can you explain what drives the split? That's a good question. I, I think it's a key factor that drives risk selections for, for most liability underwriters, uh, U.S. versus uh, no U.S. Uh, it drives appetite, terms, conditions, the, the capacity uh, a liability underwriter might be willing to deploy on a risk. And uh, I think it comes down to the realization, the understanding that the loss potential is quite different. Um, and that, of course, impacts the outlook for profitability. So with, with U.S., uh, you confront all the challenges. That is the U.S. legal environment, rising cost of litigation, uh, ever-increasing payouts. There's, there's third-party litigation funding. So all of these are major contributors to trend-driving what many refer to as social inflation. I think some refer to it as nuclear verdicts that we all read about in the news. There's just an inherent volatility there that informs the approach to underwriting U.S. Um, in terms of that initial reaction, for, for underwriters, and given what I just said, if the customer has very limited U.S. exposure, it's often viewed as being more favorable from a risk profile standpoint, or at the very least a less volatile risk profile. Okay. But how much Canadian carriers are really impacted by the U.S. liability market? I mean, how? what is the impact of what happens in the U.S.? How much of that is really felt by Canadian insurance companies? For certain Canada, I suggest uh, the majority of our peer carriers uh, a fair amount so we're impacted in a couple of different ways. So first, you, you have the international programs, and those would be the integrated programs with a Canadian master and various GL policies that we direct globally. That program includes a U.S.-admitted policy, then the U.S. is front and center. More oftentimes than not, that U.S. exposure is actually reinsured back to the Canadian carrier who produced or directed the program. So basically, the U.S. exposure ends up on our balance sheet, the Canadian carrier's balance sheet, and impacts our P&L. And you've got that second grouping, and um, this would be independent of international versus not, but uh, that'd be from our domestic customers. So no U.S. entity, no U.S. paper. The thing here is few manufacturers, uh, I suggest even fewer over time, have, have customers that are solely based in Canada. We're in a truly global economy. 
these Canadian manufacturers will have customers that are in the U.S. So we're, we're basically impacted by the U.S. liability market by way of those export sales. Our customers export sales into the U.S. So if you're a Canadian carrier, um, we're, we're increasingly focused on U.S. cross-border exposures since our customers in a great number of instances are, are subject to the U.S. legal environment and all the other challenges that we see in that market. So pricing changes, right? We see this in the last couple of years, but also terms and conditions have become more restrictive, even in Canada. So it really feels like a double whammy for our customers. Can, can you explain why underwriters feel that they have not only to increase prices, but also restrict what comes across as felt by customers and brokers as a restriction on terms and condition? Thanks for the question. <laughs> I think uh, it's, uh, it's a good question. I can see why, why it feels that way. Uh-huh. I think... Um, I think pricing changes and um, more restrictive terms, conditions, in, including forms, um, I, I really think they have a common root cause. You know, so if we're speaking about Canada, fundamentally, I think it's the natural consequence of a protracted soft market, liability underwriters, and you know, we've been trading under hyper-competitive market conditions for a very long time. But um, at an industry level, Canadian liability insurers have had to confront the fact that we're not returning our cost of capital. Liability has been um, an unprofitable line of business for a number of years, enough so that it's led to, to some carriers withdrawing capacity from the market. So, I mean, a, a lot of what we talked about up to this point has been challenged in the U.S., but we're, we're not without our challenges here in Canada. So um, I, was, I was reading reports. So case in point, if we look at the numbers, and um, I'm still waiting to see the Q4 update, but uh, the Insurance Bureau of Canada, the IBC, in their Q3 financial results report, I think this was published um, this past December, uh, that document reported a near 80% net loss ratio for the year-to-date for the liability business in Canada. Now, that number doesn't that doesn't include auto, which, which actually had better results than liability last year. But the point here is that at an 80% net loss ratio, the industry combined ratio for liability is well over 100%. Okay. Can you give examples of, of um, terms and conditions that have become more restrictive? Um, maybe just a, you know, the major ones that we're seeing across the board. Um, I know we, you and I have talked about cyber. We've talked about um, what else are we you know, seeing more exclusion around? Um, you know, so cyber comes to mind, right? Um, yeah. Anything else? Um, we're trying to sort of narrow the size of the box so that you guys can put a price on that. What truly we feel is a GL exposure as opposed to sort of a catch-all policy with all kinds of different perils that are difficult to quantify, right? Right, right. Um, and I think you, you raise a good point. I mean, we, we've seen a lot of folks on rate um, and premium, and well, that's very important. It's just um, it's, it's one way to correct the economics. Folks on terms conditions, though, um, is as important, some would argue more important. So, you know, we spoke to a protracted stock market. So in addition to really limiting an underwriter's ability to table rates, um, those conditions also put a lot of pressure on products, the kind of policies we were putting out there. So when we think about GL, um, the core of what a GL policy is intended to ensure here, and I'm thinking about an old liability textbook here, but... Uh, the core of it is third-party BIPD, bodily injury property damage, 
in the stock market, we were seeing GL policies being endorsed, and we were seeing ENO, for example, mm-hmm. um, right. broad and pollution cover. Mm-hmm. Um, I've come across policies where um, it's had property coverages like inland marine, care, custody, control, other kind of first party coverages. At worst, I've also seen policies containing endorsements that are uh, more equivalent to a warranty like policy. So, covering defective products or defective workmanship. So in a lot of cases, exposures for which there are much more specific, much more appropriate policies available. And in many cases, exposures that demand a lot more specialized or more focused underwriting. There's a, there, there's a, there's a troubling observation here. And, you know, there's, there's a lot more data available to us now, and it drives a lot of insights. But I think a common observation when I look at policies and um, just how broad coverage it become, Trouble and observation is just how often I'm seeing losses paid on extensions for which there was very little underwriting, uh, very little information around the exposure, uh, let alone details on controls. And in many cases, um, we're paying losses on coverages for which there was very little, or in some cases, no premium being collected. You know, on the issue of cyber, you mentioned cyber. That's, 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 that's a really good example. So the, the IBC, um, they, they introduced advisory GL where back in 2016. And the, the, the primary drivers of that was to was was actually to address cyber and data breach. So these are the kind of exposures that um, we really don't contemplate in a GL policy or, or underwriters don't scrutinize. You know, the, the new IBC advisory form provided for a lot more clarity on cyber and data breach. So ultimately besides the the, the underwriting leakage that I spoke to, um, a big driver of changes to forms is um, contract certainty. Right. So it would be fair to say that insurance companies are not necessarily withdrawing coverage. They're maybe orienting or directing their customers and brokers to seek proper expertise in lines of business that currently exist. Um, but go see your cyber underwriter, go see your pollution underwriter, go see underwriters, your E&O underwriter, right? Because the coverage may be available, but it's going to have to be in a separate standalone policy, right? So you're still going to get probably what you want, right? You probably were going to be more effective at pricing the exposure, right? And to your last point, um, there's going to be contract certainty, right? So when you have a claim, we're not going to get into a dispute as to whether or not it should be picked up by the GL or if there was never the intention, all these things, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Let me ask you another question here. Uh, maybe we talked about terms and conditions and pricing. Um, so what does what does an underwriter look for in a in a submission, right? So are, is the expectation changing today from what you would want to see in a submission from where, you know, a year or two ago, or is the core of what you're really seeking inside a submission um, really hasn't changed? Well, I, I guess it's a, a bit disingenuous to say, but, you know, it starts with a comprehensive submission. Do I emerge from a reading of your submission with an understanding of what the customer does, mm-hmm. their operations, their products, um, are there apps? Right? So these are, uh, this is nothing new, but can I get my arms around the exposure? Do, do I understand what the controls are? And if the program um, includes some of those ancillary coverages we were just talking about, is the underwriting there? I think, uh, I think there's been a return to underwriting basics in a sense. Um, we have teams investing the time to, to really understand the risk profile and getting our arms around some of the more challenging exposures. Um, and for GL, um, 
based on what we just spoke to. Um, the pricing terms and conditions really need to reflect the, the realities, the nuances of the risk. Just a note there on risk services, uh, um, a focus on loss prevention helps our customers build up their risk control strategies. Uh, it supports the resilience. I've seen much of resilience today. I'd add that during a time where deductibles are on the rise, um, when we speak to terms conditions, we're seeing increased retentions, increased deductibles, but risk services really helps customers better manage the risk that falls within their retention as well. Now, um, when, when I think about other lines of business, I mean, there's a lot of common elements to, to GL, Umbrella Nexus, but um, on Umbrella Nexus more specifically, say uh, this has been, um, uh, it's been a much more volatile line of business. And the, the underwriting really needs to reflect that. So uh, today we see um, underwriters reassessing attachment points, right? Mm-hmm. Um, because what was considered to be um, a decent underlying limit just a few years ago is no longer considered to be adequate, especially if there's U.S. exposure. You're talking about um, attachment points. Um, again, that's going to vary depending on the size of the customer and the exposure, right? But rule of thumb, GL policy will be anywhere between a $1 and a $5 million limit. An umbrella will attach maybe at five and we'll go to 10 to 15. And then north of that, we fall into the sort of excess liability market where things get a lot more volatile. Um, is there, in, in terms of submissions, you're looking for the form, the, the umbrella form, what the underlying policies are that could potentially erode the umbrella and the excess, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we, we spoke to, you know, reassessing um, what those underlying limits are um, and um, uh, and what was, you know, viewed as being adequate just a few years ago. It's no longer um, seen in the same way. I think when we when we start looking to the the, the, the fall form access, insurance in Canada, uh, well, in U.S. as well, but, uh, you know, we're, we're, we're operating in an environment of historically low interest rates. And, uh the, you know, that impacts our investment portfolios because our investments allow us to manage the cost of claims for the long tail lines. Um, and uh, umbrella and access is, is particularly sensitive to changes in, in yields because, you know, mm-hmm. after all, that policy written today could be paying claims decades down the road. So um, when it comes to pricing of umbrella and access, um, that pricing needs to reflect the uncertainty, the volatility of that business. I would add also, and besides uh, low interest rates, uh, we're seeing increased reserving. And there's been um, significant adverse prior year development. Mm-hmm. It impacts GL as well, but we're, we're seeing it have much more of an impactful um, or an impact on, on our umbrella and excess business. So um, in some cases, uh, if you're the carrier writing both the GL and umbrella, it might be wanting to redistribute some of the limits you have up on that casualty tower, maybe having a buffer layer in there. Right. So you don't have the same market doing the GL umbrella and excess but you sort of have another participant coming in and take a piece of the action in between, right? Correct. So maybe you're on the jail. Um, yeah. You have someone come in to take a look at that lead umbrella, and maybe right. you choose to, to reattach on that, uh, that first excess, say, for example. Okay. Okay. Eugene, any, um, any recommendation, suggestion you would have here for brokers who are listening to us today? You know, what's the best way to sort of present an opportunity to um, a Zurich liability underwriter, right? Or in general, right? What are you in, in these market conditions? What are you seeing that you're thinking, well, I wish I could say this to all of our brokers in, in one go here in terms of how to make their life a little easier 
as to you know what they should expect from us. And so, any any words of wisdom here? Besides, besides the submission. Uh -huh. The submission um, is key. Um, the quality of the information, yeah, the, the timeliness, absolutely. obviously, that submission, right? Yeah, be prepared to speak to, um, be prepared to, to engage. Because um, our liability underwriters will be engaging you, um, our brokers, right. to, to better understand um, the exposures, um, particularly those exposures presented by some of those ancillary coverages. That's going to take time, right? And right. Um, I think it's important for, for the communication to begin early. Very early. You can't over-communicate enough in this market. Mm -hmm. what, what typical lead time do we require if we want to sort of have the dialogue, to your point, to make sure that we assess the risk promptly and that, you know, the quote is going to reflect the quality of the risk and, and the quality of the information that we have received? 60 to 90 days would be ideal. Turn on the attributes of the risk, right? No, absolutely. Absolutely. And then, and then communicate communicate and communicate with your with your underwriter this is not a simple transaction right we're we're this is you can't really expect something um, especially if you're asking for five million ten million I mean the, the limits of liability that are required especially in the customer segments with Zurich is playing are significant and we expect our liability underwriters to do their due diligence okay. Eugene I was asked to um, I, I like to ask this question as we end the podcast um, what do you do for fun? What do you do to get your mind off of insurance? I hope you do once in a while. I know you have three young children. What do you do to <laughs> get out of that insurance bubble? Right, right. Uh, like you mentioned, yeah, I'm a, I'm a father, three young kids. Um, they're uh, ages five and under. So, yeah, never, never a dull not, moment in my household. You're not busy, no. <laughs> Yeah. So yeah, not a lot of free time for hobbies, but um, um, I am really lucky to to live in a fairly woodsy mountainous area. So a lot of fantastic trails where I live. And um, I'm also lucky to be just a stone's throw from the ocean, really. So my family, we, we spend a lot of time outdoors in the fresh air. That's uh, a good way to, to get away from it all. That's awesome. Eugene, thank you for your time and your insights. Really appreciate your um, being with us today. Be safe and take care of yourself. Thanks very much, Elvan. Thanks for having me. I hope you've enjoyed our conversation with Eugene today. Eugene shared quite a bit of insights on what he sees playing out in the market. One of the key takeaways here is, and again, this is a common theme that we will see play out during the various podcasts, is the more lead time you give yourself brokers and you engage and communicate uh, with the Zurich underwriters, the more likely we are to find acceptable solutions uh, for our joint customers. Um, we see it on our renewal book, uh, but we also see it when we write new business. So um, as I've said many times before, this is a, it takes two to tango. It's a, a teamwork. We all work on behalf of our customers and uh, we do need that lead time to engage with brokers um, to find the optimal solution. Our next podcast will be on financial lines. As always, you can find the podcast on Zurich Canada website and submit ideas for uh, topics on the email address ca.podcast at zurich.com. Thank you for your time. Thank you for listening. Take care and be well. The 
information in this audio recording was compiled from sources believed to be reliable for general information purposes and is intended for Zurich clients and business partners. The information contained herein may be useful to you or your enterprise when developing your own policies and procedures. The policies and procedures applicable to your enterprise should take into account the specific circumstances of your business and business environment, which is beyond the capacity of this podcast. Any and all information provided is not intended to constitute advice of any nature and is specifically not legal advice, and accordingly, you should consult with your own legal counsel. We do not guarantee the accuracy of this information presented or any results and further assume no liability in connection with this recording and the information provided therein. Moreover, Zurich reminds you that the information provided cannot be assumed to contain every acceptable safety and compliance procedure or that additional procedures might not be appropriate under the circumstances. The subject matter of this recording is not tied to any specific insurance product, nor will adopting these policies and procedures ensure coverage under any insurance policy. We encourage listeners to seek additional information from credible sources. Thank you. This has been a production of TNKR Media. Good talk.